calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, let's go. Thank you always for coming to Reppin, a podcast about representation of all kinds. You're going to meet some incredible people here, and they share their experiences and perspectives with you. You'll find out who they really are, the truths they fight for, and what they represent. I'm Evelyn, your host. Today, my next guest lives by the motto, No Excuses, which is also the title of his best-selling book. He's a champion wrestler, CrossFit certified instructor, competitive mixed martial arts fighter, and weightlifter. And I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted just saying that. And he was the first man to bear crawl to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, which is over 19,000 feet high, and Argentina's Mount Aconcagua, which is over 22,000 feet. But why did he bear crawl up? Because he was born with a rare condition known as congenital amputation that left him with arms that end at the elbows and legs that end near the knees. He did all of those things without the use of prosthetics. He is truly a force to be reckoned with. So sit down, take notes, and get to know Kyle Maynard. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I think dealing with similar things that everybody else is dealing with right now. You know, definitely didn't have the year that I expected to, to have. <laughs> I don't know if anybody expected this to unfold the way that it that it has. It's been pretty wild. Amazing in some ways, challenging in other ways, and like so many things in life, right? Like, there's definitely some good things that have come out of it, I think, but also some some really challenging ones too. Yeah, we're definitely in unprecedented times, but I'm so happy you're here and you have some incredible stories. So I want to jump right in. Can you give listeners a more formal introduction? on how people may know you, and a little bit about your personal story. I was born a quad amputee, and you know, so my arms end at the elbows and legs end at the knees, and was raised the family that taught me that, to have that mentality of just, you know, trying to live as a normal life as possible and trying to, you know, just live for the dreams that I had. And so that led to different adventures, whether that was, you know, as a little kid, you know, playing with my friends around the neighborhood and started out in, you know, street hockey and 
playing in the in the neighborhood into you know playing more organized sports on uh, on a team where I grew up here locally in Atlanta. So I played football. I wrestled, then got into martial arts. Uh, I got into uh, jiu-jitsu and and then mountaineering, like uh, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Aconcagua. You know, I have to say this, a lot of people to illustrate a point of something that's really extreme and impossible, they use the example like, oh, it's like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, you know, just to, to, to say it's really extreme and out there. And here you are, you actually did it. And you're also a mixed martial artist, you know, and here I am, I, I can't even like run down a flight of subway steps without being out of breath. I don't know if I would want to run down a flight of subway stairs, but maybe for a different reason. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. I want to kind of back up, though. Everyone on varying levels and in many ways have struggles with acceptance, identification and belonging. And certainly we all have those uh, challenges during our most formative years. Can you give me a sense of what that was like for you? I think as a kid, I mainly just wanted other kids to look at me as, as normal. You know, I, I think that's all any kid wants to, is to, to be able to belong and hang out, or, you know, run around with, with friends. It was, uh, you know, just a, a challenging period early on because I, you know, was aware that I was, was different, but I didn't necessarily want other people to like make me aware that I was too. Right. Like it was just something that I wanted, like at home, it was easier to just I- ignore and kind of, you know, put away and um, just be, be normal when I was out, you know, running around, you know, that was when, you know, people would look and stare and it was, it definitely was, was different as an adult, you know, I could kind of realize that like, you know, people are just going to do that naturally. Right. Like it's, it's kind of a thing, but I think with the kids with physical disabilities, especially like it's becomes really challenging because the, the physical disability itself draws definitely more, more attention towards you than, than you would get otherwise potentially. Right. Like it depends on the nature of it. But it's a psychological thing. And I think it's something that people come back, you know, after a traumatic experience, maybe, you know, come back from war as an amputee or they, you know, are in an accident of some sort. You know, it's um, it's a totally different kind of thing. You know, it's like as you've kind of grown up your whole life one way and then all of a sudden you have an abrupt change and then everything is different after that. You know, for me, the only way that I've ever known to go and like, you know, pick up a phone or something like that, right? It's just to like, you know, or, or you know, or but a cop or something, right? Like, it's that's the way that I've always always done it. Yeah, you don't know another way. Yeah. Regardless of where you're from, society generally categorizes everyone by our appearances, the jobs that we have, what we own, and we're judged by it. So, Kyle, from everything I've read about you and heard about your family. Um, they have been so incredibly amazing and supportive. Still, the labels that the world sort of puts upon us, it's difficult. So how did you navigate or combat those labels? Because you said something in a speech or an interview you were giving um, that was incredible. And I'm going to paraphrase here. You said you have to find out what your truth is. Can you tell me how you found your truth? You know, you mentioned Kilimanjaro. There was a moment where like, I I pretty much had it resolved in my head that I was going to quit. You know, it was like, it just, it was super frustrating and then, you know, it was painful and, you know, my friends were laughing and joking and having fun and I wasn't, and I was like, this, this sucks. Right. So I'm just like, you know, I was just physically done and beat and I planned on, you know, telling my, 
you know, guides the next morning that like, you know, that was, that was it. I mean, how many days into the climb were you at this point where you were feeling this? Uh, I mean, you were feeling this mentally, physically, just completely shredded. Four days in. I mean, this is an extreme feat for anyone, you know, and you're bear crawling up. Yeah, it was just, it was just super challenging, super, super painful. It was like, you know, it didn't, didn't have that sense of like, that it would be worth it to continue on. The elevation is like over 19,000 feet above sea level with just treacherous, like hardcore, unforgiving terrain. Can you describe what that was like so we have a better understanding of what you were experiencing? Yeah. The plan was that we were going to have a rest day, at least one rest day, maybe two, built in the first five days. And because we weren't moving fast enough, the rest day was was next. Like we couldn't do it. That was a big thing that was like was weighing on me. Kind of you know mentally was like okay, this like I was just so physically it was pushing what I felt like was was pretty hard. And then all of a sudden it was like the built in rest day that I had to be able to recover is now no longer there, no longer available. And so now it's like okay, so by four days straight. I was just physically beat. And you, you can imagine like when I'm hiking, like I'm hiking down on all four. So it's like bear crawling six, seven hours a day of staring at the the dirt and the rock and the ice and like trying to, um, you know, just go through that was, was insane. You know, then to have, have it, you know, be told that like, you know, you're, you know, plans changed and now you're not going to be able to go and get that rest day. Like you, you've got to, you got to keep going. And it was just like, so frustrating. I was already at my physical breaking point. I'm thinking like, this is it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done for sure. You know, then it was like, uh, like feelings of like anger and resentment and, you know, sadness, but my, my friends, like I said, kind of, you know, envy, jealousy, like, like all my friends are having fun and I, and I wasn't. So it was like, just sucked. <laughs> so what kept you going? Because for anyone climbing this mountain would be brutal uh, and just so difficult to sustain, to push through, overcome all of these challenges physically, mentally, emotionally. So what did you draw upon? Um, because I think this would be just a punishing, punishing journey up this summit for anyone. There was a, uh, let's say there's like two big things. <clears throat> One was like an inner sense of, um, I don't know, it was like, a, you, you, have you ever had that feeling where you're like, like you're just like so like pissed off that like you just like clench everything sure. and like your stomach clenches? Yeah, like you're so pent up with emotion, you're going to bust. Yeah, it's weird because it's like you're raging against the mountain. Like, you, you know, you're raging against something that like is indifferent to, to your rage itself. Right. And it's like, you're raging against circumstances that just like, you can't change. It's really a, a surreal kind of like feeling in that way. Yeah. Am I going to succumb to this feeling or, you know, or, or not, you know, it's like, so I think it's a lot of times too, like you can turn around and like turn that feeling into something, you know, and, and sometimes it gets channeled into stuff that's, you know, maybe not so productive, right? Like sometimes it's, it gets channeled into the stuff that, that is, that makes our lives better, makes the world better. I think everybody can kind of relate to it though at different times. Like it's, it's just maybe sometimes there's like a buildup of, of that and then it, then it releases, you know, I think in many ways, like we've, 
experienced that. You know, it's maybe one of the consequences that we've experienced with the pandemic, with racial inequality, everything that's happening in the world right now. Like, there's a lot of stuff too that's like this festering thing that then like and explodes. People experience that at an individual level, right? Like, you may experience that in a marriage, you know, maybe even in in a workout. I mean, you experience it like on the subway stairs. Like, you, you've literally had stuff go wrong on set crazy kind of like indignant feeling that was at that point and in particular there was uh there was like a little princess in the p point on the the uh the shoe that i had on my right arm that was digging into um into my my arm and that made it like super painful as it was going up and it sounds weird but it's like you know if you're if you're hiking and and any hike and especially like on kilimanjaro you get a little pebble in your shoe you know yeah. it's just grinding on you makes it that much more intense yeah so basically the, those were like the the two things where it was like this feeling of just things that were outside of my control um one was sort of my internal feeling that was like morphing and changing with this the other was the pebble situation and just wondering like you know is it worth it to to keep climbing like is it you know all those those questions Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. When I go for a run in Central Park and I have a pebble in my shoe, I have to stop. So you're obviously in way <laughs> more extreme conditions. You're scaling up the summit this, of this crazy mountain. You're wearing these special cleats that were made for you to get up the mountain. We all have these moments where we can be so overcome with frustration and emotion, and that can manifest itself in, you know, many different ways. How did you not let that emotion drive you to say, you know, fuck it, I'm done? What made you push through it? There was a couple things. One was, uh, I think it was like the realization that like, I'm already here. This is the one shot I'm going to go and get to, to do it, no matter what's gone wrong you know, up to this point, like, you know, it was, it was so much build up to go and get to that point. The craziest part of the trip had nothing to do with like the, the trip itself of like climbing the mountain, like the build up leading up to the mountain was way more like just like way more intense. Really? <laughs> a lot, a lot of things that, that went wrong to get to that point. And so when I was there, I was like, all right, all oh, that's going to be a waste if, if I don't like at least make an effort to try to, to push past this. And then the, the second thing with that too is uh, we had met the mother of a fallen soldier. Her name was Corey Johnson and um, met her in a gym in Arizona before we left. And she asked me if we would carry her son's ashes to the summit. 
Wow. Like, yeah, we can, like, you know, do that. I mean, she told me, like, I was crying, she was crying. Like, it was just a really, like, intense experience, you know? So it was partly, like, thinking about him and thinking about the fact that, like, he couldn't, he couldn't be there to go and climb the mountain with his little girls, like wherever he was, wherever his spirit was, like wherever the, the, the essence of him was like physically was not an embodied place to be able to go and like climb with her, with his daughters. And she said that like, he was really into mountaineering and that he loved to, you know, laugh and have a good time. So it was like, like definitely I would love to, to, to have him come with us. So he became, we had nine American team members and he became like our honorary 10th member so yeah it was just just the fact that like he didn't he didn't have that choice to do it and I did so from that experience what did you walk away with like what kind of lessons did you learn how did that whole experience impact you I think you you definitely learn a lot about yourself in those moments and you learn about like how how much you can take and how much you can handle because sometimes you have no idea what things life is going to throw at you has thrown at you will continue to go and throw at you like it's just this is like an inevitability like with with life itself right like it's just it's hard that's probably you know one of the biggest ones is like you you look at those moments that you've gone through in the past and you can kind of like draw upon them to you know determine that like you're capable of of overcoming those things you know i'm sure you've had like tons of experiences in, in the production world right where it's just stuff doesn't go your way and in real life yeah just life in general like right like it's but it's you know you look at those moments where it's weird like those things i think that ultimately like the future is sort of an unknown and so then it's like they help prepare you in some way for you know for whatever else you face down the road i wanted to ask you about something else that i heard you say at a talk you were giving and i'm going to paraphrase again here you said some of the most important words are, I don't know. Kyle, you were talking about being comfortable with the unknown. Can you tell me a little bit more about that idea and thought? I think that there's some aspect of like, like our species in general is like, it's not just with, with us. I mean, in, in the animal kingdom too, or plants as well. I mean, nature itself looks for, for like knowns to survive with things, right? Like it looks for things to like, latch onto you think about like any like animal that has like a specific territory itself like if you're driving with a a dog in the car like the dog knows when it gets close to a neighbor's house right or like a friend's house and like that it has a familiarity with like it gets excited when you enter the neighborhood so it's because like it's a familiar thing so how did you learn how to sit comfortably with not having that familiarity because i think that's the trick I think it's like, well, I mean, for one, an acceptance of the fact that like you, you just have to, <laughs> right? Because it's life is like going to go and throw so many unknowns at you. And if you are going to go out and like subject yourself to, to crazy adventures, you know, that that's going to be part of it. I, I used to think that like the people who left home from, or people who did not leave home from where I grew up, like that something was inherently wrong with them you know it was like why didn't they why didn't they want to like go out and like venture out instead of like now i'm thinking like maybe they were actually the the smart ones why is that i love like the place that i grew up and i think maybe they could see like the the beauty and the value in, in that every day presents opportunities for like little adventures to have if we're if we're looking for them or there are people that might 
work at a local restaurant or coffee shop or something like that that have like figured out things you know in like a, you know, an adventurous sense locally that like that I, I would have never have dreamed of because I was so focused on trying to go out you know I was so focused on trying to explore um but that's also like I was talking to my, my parents about this last night like it's weird like that's like a part of my DNA is like whatever programming I have is like programmed to like explore and to seek and to go into the unknown then you know get beat up regroup go back out to it again <laughs> so you're saying that you've been going outwards all this time on these epic adventures and now there's a part of you that is just discovering uh, the smaller, familiar things that are in front of you that are also offering adventures too. Absolutely. And also like with that too, like it's um, diving out is one direction, but like diving deeper in, I think is, is another thing that like a lot of us are uncomfortable with. Are you uncomfortable with that? Well, I would have said no prior to 2020. Huh. But I've, I've realized more recently that like, maybe I am like, uh, maybe like the, 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 the stillness, you know, or like the sort of imposed stop on, you know, travel and adventure and all that stuff like that, maybe that that has made me more uncomfortable than I was willing to admit. So I'm going to clarify from my understanding and please correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying the bigger outward unknowns were in some ways, a comfort and a distraction for you, whereas the stillness and the quiet moments were actually more challenging than you anticipated. Big time. So what's it been like for you and how are you managing like this new discovery? Pensively. Um... <laughs> I'll agree with you. The, the, the quiet moments are usually the more challenging ones. Yeah. And I have like a, like a desire to like want to, to dive deep into things. It also too, like with anything, you know, there's, there's other aspects of like beauty. And I don't think that like, if I hadn't gone through those experiences, I wouldn't have been as prepared for, to, to see the beauty in 2020 and for what it, what it was, which again, like the stillness aspect of things and that inward searching that that provides. Yeah. When you're moving at a blinding speed in many ways, it makes things easier because you're just going. Yeah. So Kyle, what would your advice be for anyone struggling with a, disability, both in a literal sense, and I'll even really stretch the, the definition uh, of disability to uh, apply to our own sort of limitations that we struggle with uh, as individuals. The, the quote that popped into my head was uh, from my high school weight room, and it said, know your limits, but never stop trying to break them. And uh, it's author unknown. And I've said that quote a bunch in, in the past. And I've had like it falsely attributed to, to me coming up with it. And I definitely did not come up with that quote. It's probably something that like, like we said, with every person having a disability on the planet, like everybody can kind of relate to that, to, like their own like limits, know that those limits exist but that doesn't mean that you should ever stop trying to like to break them. So Kyle, give me the signature sign off. Let me know who you are and what you represent. My name is Kyle Maynard and I represent hope, curiosity, and a desire to 
peel back the layers of the onion and experience this life for what it can be. Thanks to Kyle Maynard for coming to the show. He is truly so inspirational. You can find Kyle on social media and on his website, and you can find those links in the show description. Next up is Candace Wall. She's a writer, public speaker, and women's health advocate. She has a popular blog called Our Misconception, which started from her own personal struggles with infertility. She's been profiled in numerous media outlets, most notably on MTV's award-winning documentary series called True Life. Here's a preview of my conversation with Candace. Just because something doesn't work doesn't mean I have to lose hope. It means I have to redefine what hope means to me. Hi, I'm Candace Wall, and I'm coming to hang out on Reppin. It's a great conversation. Don't miss it. Reppin is available on all top podcast platforms, so subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. You can always find me on Twitter at Reppin Podcast and follow me on Instagram at Reppin underscore podcast. Thanks always to my technical director and musical composer, Nelson Pinero, and always to the powerful Gracie Kong. Reppin is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Until next time, stand up and represent. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.